0: We're starting a new series, as Dylan said earlier today, that we're calling "Angels We Have Heard on High." So, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, some stories around the Christmas story where uh, an angel shows up to the people that are involved in the Christmas story. That's all going to kind of conclude um, on Christmas Eve. So, uh, seriously, make sure you make plans to attend. I know that sometimes you're traveling and you just can't be here, but if you can be here, make plans to attend. It's going to be one and three, um, and. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna wanna be here. You're gonna wanna bring somebody with you. Today I'm gonna start this series by teaching a message that I'm calling night lights. How many of you sleep with a night light? Some of y'all don't wanna admit, but you sleep with a night light. Y'all yeah, listen, it's it's totally cool. You're you're adults, but you can still sleep with a night light. You might sleep with the go to sleep with the TV on? Wow, okay, not as, first service like everybody did, and I felt really good because I do, but second service, y'all don't sleep with your TV. Now I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Uh, we're calling, uh, probably, we're calling it uh, nightlights. Uh, Luke 2, starting in verse eight, says this. says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and they were taking care of their sheep. I've heard, I read this scene described like this. It is nighttime in the hills of Judea. These hardworking shepherds are looking after their flocks, keeping an eye out for predators and potential dangers for the flock. It's a time of slowdown and quiet for the shepherds as well as the sheep. The labor and physical toil of the day are behind them and it's a reflective and restful time. Sounds so serene and nice and pretty, right? But can't this time of the year be anything but restful and reflective like, seriously, this time of the year, it can be anything but restful and reflective. We almost forget to reflect on what it all means, and we certainly don't get to rest because we live busy lives in general, right? I mean, if, if, if you're honest, you live a busy life. In fact, don't we wear busyness as kind of a, a, a badge of honor? When's the last time you asked someone, are you busy? And they said, no, I got all the time in the world. Nobody says that. Instead, you ask somebody how they're doing. Normally, they say, "Ah, I'm just, I'm just busy. A couple months ago, I made it a point. I was going to stop. I I was never going to say that I was busy if somebody asked me how I was doing. It's like, you know, when we're we're kids, we're like, we're trying to one-up each other by my dad can beat up yours, or I can run the fastest, or I can pick up something heavier. And then when we get when we get older it's like i'm busier than you are we live we live busy lives right and this time of the year things don't really slow down because not only do you have your busy life going on with you but now you have all these added functions as well you got to make stuff you got to hang out with people you don't want to go to that office christmas party but you got to anyway on top of going to work the next day what right and so, this time of the year, it only it, it only gets it only gets busier. We add busyness to a busy life, and so it can be it can be difficult to to really think about what it what it means. I, even if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you're not a a church kind of person, you know what the real point of Christmas is. But I think it's really easy for those of us who even our church people and our believers, it's really easy for us to almost become numb to the significance of what this time of the year means, to almost lose a, a, a heart tenderness, to almost lose attention to the fact of what it really means. Can I just remind you that this time of the year means that Jesus is born, that this time of the year means the Son of God himself. This time of the year means God himself stepped down out of his heavenly throne, came to earth as a humble baby and was born in a manger without a home. This time of the year means that God so loved the world. This time of the year means Emmanuel, God with us, that he came to earth as a baby. This time of the year means the only one who could save you and I from our sins decided I am going to infiltrate the earth that I created, the one who created the stars, the one who created the moon, the one who created everything. Everything we see, that same one put on skin and came to earth as a baby. That's what we celebrate this time of the year. And can I, can I also remind you that Christmas is about Jesus, but that Christmas is for you? Whether you realize it or not. Whether you've ever put it together in your head or not, this time of the year is for you because Jesus loves you, because he cares about you, because he has a purpose for you, because he wants relationship with you, because he cares about what matters to you, because he cares what worries you. He cares about what bothers you. This time of the year isn't just for super spiritual people. No, Jesus came to earth for you. It was for you. It was by him, but it was for you because he knew that we would need something to save us, that we could never do it by ourselves. He came for you no matter how lowly you may feel, no matter how abused you may feel, no matter how rejected you may feel. The Son of God came for you. Say it He came for me. It almost feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? It feels a little weird. It's not about me. Well, it's not about you, but it's for you. Because he loves you that much. He cares about you that much, no matter what anybody else says, no matter how anybody else has made you feel, no matter about the lies that are rattling around in your head, this time of the year is for you. And just like these shepherds, he cares about you so much that he's willing to show up in the mundane, boring points of your life. Have you ever noticed that most of life is mundane? Like think about it. Most of life isn't having a baby. Thank you, Jesus. Most of life, I've never had one, but I hear it's tough. Most of life is is not graduating high school. Most of life isn't graduating college. Most of life isn't getting married. Most of life isn't some dream vacation. Most of life isn't falling in love. Most of life, if we're honest, is mundane, isn't it? And it can be really easy for us to lose sight of God in those mundane moments. Most of your your life is getting up, eating breakfast, getting dressed, going to work, coming home, shuffling kids around, cooking supper, cutting grass, most of our life is mundane. And it can be really easy for us to lose sight of what God is doing because it feels mundane. Young parents, have you ever had somebody tell you, don't wish these days away, one day you'll want them back? Don't you hate that, number one? Because sometimes I'm like, well, you can have them, right? But something that I, I think God's been, been been teaching me is those wiser, I did that good, didn't I? I didn't say older. Those wiser those wiser people, I think, are right. Because I do think that it's just those mundane moments the Saturday mornings at home while the kids play, the, for me, the Saturday afternoons watching football with my boy, the, the car rides and the conversation. I really do think we will look back on those, those mundane moments as some of the most blessed and spiritual and relationship-building moments that we have with our kids. And here's why I think it's important that we realize that God shows up to these shepherds in the mundane, and he shows up in our mundane, too, is because if you wait for something miraculous or something that you perceive as miraculous to show you that God is working, you will never see him working. For some of you right now, you're wondering, like, is God still working in my life? Is he still doing something? Because I don't feel anything happen. I haven't gotten the healing. I haven't gotten the surprise check. I, I, I haven't found Mr. or Mrs. Right. And so you're wondering, is God really working? Don't miss God in the mundane. Don't wait for the miraculous. God is in the mundane, just like he is about to show up for these shepherds. God will meet you in the mundane, and he is there, and he is working. Have you ever thought about the human body? Seems mundane, right? Like breathing. I just did it. Did y'all see it? Nobody clapped. Why? Because it's mundane. Thank you. Somebody did. Because it's mundane. But have you ever thought about how miraculous it is that we have this oxygen that we breathe in and out? Or how the human body just, just works? Have you, ever, have you ever watched the maturation and, of, of, of a baby? It's miraculous. But sometimes we miss how miraculous it is because it becomes so commonplace. It becomes so, so mundane to us. Don't lose sight of God in the mundane these shepherds are about to be visited by some angels during the mundane and the darkness of the night. And I think it's interesting that the light of the world is about to be announced to some some shepherds in the darkness of the night. Do you know what that tells me? That there is nowhere that I can be that God is not with me. There is nowhere that I can run there's nowhere that I can hide. There is nothing that I find myself involved in. There is no sin that I can commit where God is not with me. God will show up in your dark of darkest of darkest places. And this morning, I, some of you are in, in a dark place right now. Maybe it's around this time of year. Maybe everybody else is joyous. Ba-la-la-la, la-la-la-la, and you're like, shut up, up, up. But some of you, it really, it, your darkness does center around, around this time of the year because it, it reminds you of what you don't have. It reminds you of who you don't have. Some of you are in a dark place today because you're battling things that you never thought you would battle, or you're battling things that you thought you were over and done with. Some of you today, you're, you're in a dark place, you're battling depression. Or if it's not depression, you're certainly in, in a sad place. Some of you are battling a feeling of abandonment because somebody left this year. God will show up in your dark place. There's nowhere you can be that God is not, is not with you. He's about to invade these shepherds' life, their mundane life, when it's full of darkness, God shows up the brightest in your darkest moments. Hold on, the light is coming. So all is calm, all is mundane, all is dark, goes directly against the Christmas carol, and then we get to the part that you've heard before even if it was just in Charlie Brown Christmas. Y'all watch Charlie Brown Christmas yet? Wow, y'all are early. Wow, y'all are ready to go. Luke 2.9. It so says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So the angel shows up when everything's calm, everything's dark. Now we can read that because we've heard it on Charlie Brown Christmas and we've probably heard that passage before and we can read that and we can almost blame the shepherds because they're afraid. But just, just, just imagine this for a moment. Imagine you're at your job tomorrow. Maybe you got there early and nobody turned the lights on yet. Maybe the power's out. Maybe you work third shift. But let's pretend like everything's dark. The Wi-Fi's down. So you haven't even checked Facebook. Y'all know you check Facebook on company time. Don't look at me. And so you're just sitting there waiting for the day to start, maybe sipping on your coffee, maybe humming a tune, maybe still angry about something that happened that morning, but everything's dark. And then boom, an angel shows up and says, Oh. Ah! Wouldn't you be terrified too? And better yet, it, it says that not just the angel shows up, but it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, the glory of the Lord is, is hard to define. Ultimately, what it means is it, it's, it's the full culmination of the perfected character of God. The, the root word there in Hebrew is kabod. Which can be traced back to, to basically heaviness, to weight. And so essentially, these shepherds are out in their field doing what they always do when bam, this angel ah, shows up and this heaviness, this all of a sudden understanding of the perfection and the character of God is among them as well. With the angels, there's this, phew, this weight and the glory shows up. In other places in Scripture, the glory looks like a light. It looks like a fire. Look at Exodus twenty-four, seventeen. It says to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a, a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Talk about a night light. Those of you that sleep with a, with a light on, try the glory of the Lord. You would, you, you, would, you would never stump your toe. Although you would feel pretty bad if you stumped your toe in the middle of the night and you said that word that you sometimes say. Anyway. So this angel who some biblical scholars believe was Gabriel, he responds to the shepherds in their terror, in their fear, and says, do not be afraid. Easier said than done, right? I, I, have you ever had somebody say something to you in the most inopportune time? Like, won't, when, when somebody close to you passes away, don't be, some people say some stupid stuff? Don't they say some stuff that makes you think, uh, that helped zero? That didn't just not help, that hurt more. Or like if you lose your job or something and somebody asks, well, what'd you do? It's like now is not the time to investigate why I lost my job, now is the time to be there. Have you ever had somebody say something really stupid to you at the, at the very wrong time? Or they quote a Bible verse when you didn't really wanna hear a Bible verse but you don't wanna admit it? That's kind of what it seems like these, these, these angels are, are doing when they come to the shepherds and say, do not be afraid, the only thing is the, angel, the angels have something that can, that can actually help. Which leads me to a question. What are you afraid of today? Not just, uh, you, you probably don't want to admit that you're afraid because you think fear is the opposite of faith, and you know you're supposed to have faith, when really fear is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith would be like seeing and knowing. So even if you don't want to term it as fear, wh- what bothers you? Think about it. What are, you, what are you afraid of? Men, you don't wanna say you're scared. You don't wanna say you're afraid, but we have fears too. What, what are you afraid of? Some of you do have some fears surrounding this time of the year. Some of you are afraid, I'm, I'm not gonna buy, I'm not gonna be able to buy Christmas presents this year. What are you afraid of? Some of, some of you are afraid of like a physical situation. Somebody's hurting, somebody's sick, you're hurting. You're sick. Some of you just have this this fearful feeling down inside of you that's in, that's in your gut that you almost feel all the time. It's this weightiness, this fear that something is about to spiral out of control. Somebody's about to say something. Somebody's about to do something. What do you fear? Some of you have the fear of being found out. Like, are, are they going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing? Are they going to figure out what I what I what I did that I, I've been hiding for so so long? What do you What are you you afraid of? Some of your fears are res- resolve around being accepted and knowing that you're worth, and here's why it's an important question to answer, because fear will make you blind to the goodness of God. It, it almost does these shepherds, because they're afraid. The glory of the Lord shows up, they're, they're afraid, and, and what fear will do is it'll blind you to the goodness of God, because you'll get to a place where you can never acknowledge the goodness of God because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Have you ever been through that? Where you have something, and the doctor says it's better, and you can't celebrate the goodness of God in that because you're afraid that it's gonna get worse again, or, or when, when God blesses you with something, and you can't accept it as, as him and that he did it because you're almost afraid that if I speak it out loud and I say, I got this, then you're just afraid of what's waiting on the other side. Fear will, will, will blind you from seeing the goodness of God. You'll begin to think about what may happen. You'll be skeptical that it even did happen. You'll be skeptical of that joy that you all of a sudden have because you know what it's like to have depression. Fear will blind you from the goodness of God. This angel shows up and has some good news for these shepherds, and I think it's good news for us, and I think it's the word that God has for you today if you feel fearful. The angel says, I bring you good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here's how you know that I'm telling you the truth. You will find a baby. The baby is the evidence of God's goodness. The baby is the evidence of God's love. The baby is the evidence that God didn't just condemn you for your sin, but he sent someone to be a substitute for your sin. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. I wanna give you two things that this light or this glory did for the shepherds that I believe it does for us too. Number one, the light gives us answers. The light gives us answers. The good news of Jesus really is the answer for whatever you're going through. And I know what you're thinking. Sunday morning, you're a preacher, you're supposed to say Jesus is the answer. Sure, Jesus is the answer for my insecurity, my fear, my doubt. Sure, Jesus is the answer. I know you're supposed to say that, but it's true, y'all. Because if, if you just take that at face value and say, well, Jesus is the answer and you, and you never put any legs to it, it won't make sense. But when you understand what Jesus came to do and how much he loves you and, and, and how secure you are in his love, when you fully understand how much he loves you and he cares for you and he identifies you as his child, when you fully grasp the concept that he wants relationship from you, not perfection, it really is the answer. It is the answer for your insecurity. It is the answer for your shame. It is the answer for for your sadness. He is the answer. But sometimes I think no matter how long we've been doing this this thing, sometimes I think it can feel like Jesus is is just this this distant thing that passes out tickets to heaven, can it? I mean, you, you can get into that place, right? No matter how long you've been following Jesus where you begin to think that Jesus is just this distant guy that I talk to, that I go to when, when, when life gets tough and he's just the one who gives me, gives me my, my, my ticket to heaven, but y'all, Jesus is active and he's alive in your life now, and he is enough. He is enough for your past, he is enough to redeem it, he is enough now, he is enough to feel it, he is enough for the future, he is enough to save it. Jesus is enough. And when you realize the full extent of his love, how amazing it is, and how much he really does care about you, and how yes, even though you go through struggle, you never go through it alone. And when you realize that he is proud of you and he loves you just the the way you are it changes everything. He is enough. He is the answer for your problems. And so my prayer this week has honestly been that God would give you a revelation of that. That he would reveal that to you at a very deep level that when other people can't be enough for you because they're not enough themselves. That he is enough. So what is the good news? John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, have eternal life. That's the good news in a nutshell, that Jesus, the Son of God, would put on skin, would step onto earth, and would take on all of our sin, not so that we could be better people, but so that we could receive everything he has. Did you catch that? Because some, some people believe that Jesus came so you could be a better person. And the danger with that is starting with the idea that he wants you to be a better person, the danger with that is that you try to become a better person on your own. And what happens so often with people especially new believers or ones who are trying to kind of recenter their life around him, what happens is you try and you try and then you mess up again and then you make another promise to God that you're not gonna do it again. And so you do this over and over and finally you come to the point where you're like, God must not love me because I'm not doing any better. If you believe that Jesus is behavior modification, you will miss the point. He is not behavior modification. He is eternal salvation. He came not so that you could be better, but so that you could receive everything, everything that he has. He came so that you could receive his perfection. There's a big theological word, and you can write this down and tell your friends later, called imputed righteousness. Not imputed righteousness, that'd be something else. Imputed righteousness, and basically what it means is that it means that through a relationship with Jesus, when God looks at me, he doesn't see me in my sinful state. He doesn't see what I've done. He doesn't see the the mistakes that I've made. He doesn't see my past. No, when when God looks at me through a relationship with Jesus, he sees perfection. Can you believe that, y'all? Because of Jesus, when God looks at you, he does not see your mistakes. Some of y'all have been beating up on yourself for so long for making those mistakes. You've been living in shame and you've been living in, in guilt, but can I break that for you this morning? That because of Jesus, you are the righteousness of God when he looks at you, he doesn't see that stuff. He sees Jesus. Jesus came and died so that you could receive perfection, but also that you could re- so that you could receive joy. And I'm not talking about a, a, a joy that's filled with all happy occasions, that's not, that's not even realistic. But he came so that you could have a, a joy that runs beyond circumstances. He came so that, to give you his peace. Not a peace that everything is always all right, but a peace that everything will always be all right. Because as long as I have my Jesus, it will be okay. He said, my peace I give you, right? My peace I give you, I do not give it as the world gives it. He gives a different kind of peace. It's not circumstantial. It's not based on how you feel. It's it's not how you're feeling. No, it's deeper than that. It's a feeling that because I am identified as a child of God through a relationship with Jesus, it will be okay because I have a promise. I have been promised that it'll be okay and it doesn't matter what they say. It It doesn't matter how they push me away. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how they offend me. I don't have to measure up. I don't have to be good enough. It doesn't matter what they think. I have peace because I have a solid relationship with Jesus. He came to give you everything that he has. There's a lady in our church right now who's going through cancer. She's been hospitalized twice from the treatment of the cancer. But if you talk to her, you'll see a lady who's hurting. You'll see a lady who's frustrated at times. But you will see, also see a lady who's at peace because she knows that her Jesus, that she's identified as her Jesus' daughter there's nothing that can take that away. He came to give you everything, everything he has is the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus will touch you no matter where you are or or who you are. These shepherds are in a dark pasture. It's, it's darker than Backstreet Blue Ridge, y'all. It's dark. But some of you today, you've been in some darker places than a dark pasture, haven't you? You've been to the bottom. You started at the bottom. Now you're here. No, nobody got that first service either. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's too of a young illustration or too old of an illustration. Anyway, but some of you, you've been in dark places, right? You know what it's like to to fear for your life. You know what it's like to, to be to be in jail. You know what it's like to be so addicted to something that you're willing to hurt anybody and do anything so that you can have your fix. You've been to some dark places, but can I remind you that you are here, that you are breathing, and so Jesus has been good to you. He will meet you in your dark place. You have been there. He can reach you, and his love goes wherever you are, and it'll reach whoever you are. These shepherds are about to be the first. They are the first ones who this Messiah is announced to do you know how low of a standing they would have had in society? They were known as unclean. They would have been pushed away. They would have been pushed out. In fact, a shepherd's testimony wouldn't even be heard in court. It wouldn't even stand up in court because they were so low on the totem pole when it it came to society. So that tells me that the good news of Jesus is the answer for you no matter where you are or who you are. If you are left out, if you feel kicked out, if you feel abused, if you feel misused, if you feel unloved, if you feel like you don't deserve it, his grace and the good news is enough. So more angels show up on the scene. And verse 13 says, Suddenly a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. And they were praising God and they said, may glory be given to God in the highest heaven and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. So the glory has shown up and now even more angels have to rally because this is such amazing news, such an amazing scene. And so now the heavens are full of these, of these angels. And they say, may peace be, peace be given. Now you have to understand in this, in this context, even pagans, non-religious people, would have been awaiting this, this peace idea, this peace on earth idea. And so we don't necessarily know these, these shepherds' re- religious standing, but this would have obviously been enough. They would have desired peace enough. They would have desired peace on earth enough that, that they decide that this, this, is, this is a big deal. So after the angels leave, after the angels peace out, y'all get it? Peace. After they leave, The shepherds get an idea. Verse 15. says, The angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. And the baby was lying in the manger. The light gives us answers and the light gives us directions. So they say, Let's go to Bethlehem, which tells you that they aren't currently in Bethlehem, right? And so this was such a big deal that these shepherds decide that they've got to go, that they've got to follow it, and, and, and they've got to see it. So, which means they would have had to make some arrangements, right? I mean, they couldn't just leave their sheep and say, Well, deuces, sheep. I feel sorry for you. But they would have had to go find somebody to watch their sheep, which said that that's been said that's the first Christmas rush. They would have had to find somebody to go watch their sheep. And then it says that. They hurried off and found. I may be revealing way too much about myself here, but and that's, that's okay. But sometimes I fall asleep with the AirPod in. Anybody else? Okay, I'm, I'll, be, I'll stand up here alone, thank you. see that hand. But sometimes I'll fall asleep with, with, with an AirPod in, and at least twice a week, I can't find that sucker when I wake up. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be conscious enough that I'll take it out and, Put it on my bedside table. By the way, sometimes I am listening to the Bible as I fall asleep. Sometimes it's a podcast, but sometimes it's the Bible. And so sometimes I'll I'll take it out in the middle of the night and I'll put it on my on my bedside table. But but like last night, I don't know where the thing went. I woke up this morning; it was still dark. Melissa was was still was still in bed, so I, I couldn't I couldn't look look for that thing. I had to text her once I got here later and say, "Can you look for my iPod?" She found it, by the way. But do you know why I couldn't find it this morning? because I didn't look for it. You will never find anything that, unless you look for it. Some of you today, you're in here and you're looking. You're on a search for something. Some of you are on a search for peace, search for joy, a search for a, resol- a resolution. You're on a search for calm. You're on a search for purpose you're on a search for healing for you or for somebody else, or you're on a search just just for flat answers, what if your search is a sign pointing you back to Jesus? What if the reason why you find yourself searching is because Jesus wants to get you turned around and pointed back to him? What if your search is a nightlight pointing you back to the ultimate light of Jesus? What does, what, what does that mean? It means he wants you to trust him. You See, while, while God will, will never do anything to harm you, he will use your struggle to strengthen you. And so maybe the reason why you've been struggling, and it seems like it's been worse lately, is because Jesus is trying to get you to the point of coming back to him. Some of you, you've, you've fallen away from Jesus, and I felt this this week as I prepared. Some of you have strayed away from Jesus. It wasn't necessarily your fault. Maybe, maybe life got busy. Maybe all of a sudden church wasn't a priority. Maybe all of a sudden your, your, your prayer time that you used to have in the morning or at night or on, on, on the drive, maybe something else filled that time. Maybe you've taken baby steps back to, to that sin or or, or that addiction, you didn't, you didn't leap there, you just took, took baby steps, and, and so you've, 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 you've walked away from Jesus. What if your walking away is the very thing God is gonna to use to build a relationship with him like never before? What if today, he has brought you in here because you're searching for something? You're searching for hope, for joy, for some people that love you, And it's all been something to point you back to this place, this moment, right now, where Jesus can reveal himself to you fully. What if the struggle and the searching was the exact thing that brings you back to Jesus? You know, following Jesus is full of ups and downs, isn't it? No matter how long you've been following Jesus, it's full of ups and downs. It's kind of like teaching a baby to walk. Have you you ever helped teach a baby to walk? They're terrible at it. At first, they can't even stand up. Then they can stand up, but they fall down a lot. Then they take two steps, and y'all act like fools over them taking two steps. Ah! It's like, I just did this, and y'all didn't clap once. But what happens after that? You applaud the two steps. They get a little better. Then they fall down again. And then they learn to walk. But still, like this weekend, I sprained my foot because I fell down. And so we still fall, y'all, no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter how long you've learned, we still fall. The key is to let your fall be something that points you back to Jesus rather than takes you away and makes you give up the whole thing. You will fall. So these shepherds have their answer and their direction. And then in verse 17, it says, after the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. Of course they did, right? They reported what the angel had said about the child. And all who heard it we were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The light is also meant to be shared. After seeing Jesus, these shepherds couldn't help but, but tell other people. Have you ever eaten something really good or at a good restaurant and you had to tell everybody about it? Y'all, and I'm not sponsored by them, although if they're watching, I, I will gladly take their sponsorship money. But I got on this kick a couple of months ago with Barbaritos. Have y'all been to Barbaritos? Anybody, can I get a witness? It, it, y- y'all, think, y'all think it's just another Moe's? No, 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 no. Mo ain't got nothing on Barber. But, and, so, well, I, and so I told everybody about Barberitos, partly because they weren't very busy and I was afraid they were going to close. So I tried to recruit more people there because I really liked it. But I told them, why? Because I loved it. It had done something for me. The light is meant to be share- shared. And so these shepherds, they see the baby Jesus. Literally, y'all, imagine the physical baby Jesus. And... They're so overwhelmed by it. The angel was right. The glory was right. And so, what do they do? They don't keep it to themselves. They run and tell everybody else, Y'all've got to come eat this burrito bowl. I mean, y'all've got to come and see Jesus. He's real. He's here. He's incarnate. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. They can't keep it to themselves. We have to be willing to share the light that we've received, y'all. Some of you this morning, you are not believers. And I just want to apologize and say, I'm sorry. Because some of us have not done a good job of sharing the light and the love of Jesus. Have you ever wondered, and maybe it's just me, and I'm not saying I always do my part, but have you ever wondered how our world can be in such rough shape when so many people still profess to be Christians? You know what I think it is? I think we've grown numb to the light. I think we've lived under it so long that we've forgotten what it even means for us, much less how to share it. It's been so long since we've seen the baby Jesus that it's not fresh enough for us to go and share. The light deserves to be shared because Christmas is for you, but Christmas is also for them. Jesus came for you, but he also came for them. Who do you need to have a conversation with? Who do you need to love on so that they can see how bright the light really is? Who do you need to invite to Christmas Eve, y'all? That's an easy step. You don't even have to know someone that good to hand them an invite card. We'll do all the hard work for you that day. The light is meant to be shared. So let me end by just asking you a question. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to bring all this together and I want to, I wanna ask you this simple question. What is my next step in following Jesus? Now, don't don't go with the first thing that pops in your mind. But what is the next thing that you need to do in your walk with Jesus? Some of you have been searching. You've drifted away. You really have, little by little. it's, it's, It's not even really your fault. Your next step, needs you need to pray right now and repent and tell God, I'm coming back. Some of you need to have a conversation because there's something with someone that's keeping you from having full freedom in Jesus. Some of you need to offer forgiveness because you can't even... feel like you're talking to Jesus anymore because you know that he wants you to forgive, but you can't quite do it. You need to offer that forgiveness. For some of you, you need to make church a priority. Sure, it was, it was difficult. Something else took up that space during COVID that Sunday morning, but you need to make it a priority because you can be a Christian absolutely and not come to church. You can love Jesus and not come to church, but y'all, there's just something about the connection. There's something about the family that happens and the growth that happens in a church family. Some of you need to commit to spending some time with him. You've never really had a, had a prayer life. And I'm not saying that there has to be an hour a day, but you need to be aware. You need to set a reminder on your phone or something that I need to pray throughout the day. What is your next step? What can you do during this busy season to fully realize the brightness of the light of Jesus? There's still some of you. Your next step is your first step. You need to commit your life to Jesus because it is for you. And maybe you've even maybe you've even asked that question before. Am I too far gone? I, I I need to get a little better before I accept Christ. No, that is a lie from the devil. You just need to follow Jesus and then let Him work on you as you follow Him. So if you need to accept Christ this morning in your heart in your mind you can just say this prayer there's no magic about it it's just a it's just a confession of a belief just say jesus i have messed up i have sinned i have missed the mark but i do believe that you came for me i do believe that you died for me so right now i i trust you i surrender I don't know what it looks like yet fully, but I commit to following you. Not because I have to, but because I want to, because you've loved me so much. Be the boss, be the Lord of my life. God, I thank you for every person under the sign of my voice right now. I thank you for how much you love them. And Lord, I do pray that it sounds so cliche to say, but that we, we would remember throughout this month what it really is all about. That you would just keep it at the forefront of our minds. God, that we would follow you. God, that we wouldn't try to be perfect, but we would let you work on us as we live out appreciation of all that you've done. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising. God, I pray for all the people that are hurting this time of the year. For all the people that are in darkness. For all the people that are struggling, would you just infiltrate them with your peace? Lord, not that their problems immediately go away, but that they have a peace that's unexplainable that cannot be shaken. God, help for us to do a good job as a church family of loving them and caring for them. God, I thank you for every person here. Thank you for the honor and the privilege to teach your word. Holy Spirit, say the things that I didn't or couldn't. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.